Look at me, I didn't see it, I didn't see it. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend, but it, it sounds it sounds like Sterling should be carded for, for simulation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like I'm living in a simulation. So do you wanna know why Uncle Tass is a snake? Because he relegated me from doing the introduction. Says, Oh, he's gonna do the introduction, pulls out his phone and starts reading from his phone. So obviously that's something you guys won't be able to see. Listen, there's, there's going to be a camera soon, so there's going to be video footage of everything. Like, right now, you, do you want me to tell them that you're naked in the, in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> like, my bro, my bro, like, you just got on boxer shorts. Like, I feel very uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable work environment. What's going on, people? And welcome back to the top bins, pod, the top talking points, the top analysis, and the top goals from the Premier League. Do you know what that is? That's top bins. That is indeed. I'm your host, Bailey. And as you can tell by the voice that just said that's top biz, I am joined, guys, again by my co-host. I can't say ever-present co-host anymore because he lost that title last week. But I'm glad to have him back. I'm joined by my co-host, Uncle Tass. Yo, what are you telling me? Oh, I'm good, man. Good to have you back. It was a lonely, it was a lonely one last Sunday. Yeah, I know, man. And more than anything, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad you held down the fort, but I'm ever so sorry that I subjected the fans to just you ranting on and <laughs> running off your agendas. But you know what? We're back. Going to try and make sure we miss no more episodes. So here we go, boys. I'm back. Flying the flag. That's what we love to hear. What's your week been saying? Um, I can't actually remember, to be honest, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's even the size um, of a very, very good week or a very just dead week. Like just every day rolled into one. N- no, I think it was a dead week. Like the weather was absolutely shocking this whole week. We had a storm this whole week, Ooh. so you know. But summer starts on Tuesday, twenty degrees onwards. Nice, 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 nice. Well, that's what we like to hear. Really, I should have asked you what's your fortnight been saying because obviously I didn't see you last week. But anyway, I won't get into all of that. But hey, what should the people do? They should. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Top Bins Pod. That's T H E T O P B I N S P O D. And if you are an Apple Podcast listener, make sure you give us a five star rating and leave us a review because it helps us to grow the Top Bins Pod community. It does indeed. You heard what the guy said, guys, so make sure you're on that. But without much further ado, let's get into it. So, as usual, we will cover the top talking points from this week. We will then cover the game week, a game week in which we saw Aubameyang slightly rolling back the time with his opener against Burnley. Liverpool, unfortunately, losing a consecutive home game and Man City's winning streak finally coming to and end. That's all before we crack on with Goal of the Week, Predictions League, Fantasy Football, listeners' questions, join the discussion, and Spadey's trivia. Bloody hell, we, we really do spoil our, our listeners out there, don't we? Oh, 100%. 100%. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, let's get a cracking then, Uncle Tass. What are we saying for the top talking points of the week? So this week, we have... Eric Peters actually got some online abuse. So following a similar theme to a couple of weeks ago when I was last on and was speaking about online abuse that players receive, this again is just wrong because I don't even understand it. Um, We'll get onto the game, but um, a VAR decision happened towards the end involving Eric Peters. And 
it was overturned. It didn't go in Arsenal's favour. So that gave, I guess, Arsenal fans a feeling that they need to go online and abuse him and wish death upon him and his family and um, even his unborn child. I mean, what type of person are you that you're wishing death on an unborn child because of a football match? Like, grow up. Like, like... Uh, I mean, I'm I'm tired. I'm absolutely tired. Next talking point is handball and handball rules. So these are set to change from the 1st of July. The IFAB, so the International Football Association Board, have made changes to the handball rules. So it, for those of you who missed the game midweek, Fulham had a goal disallowed when a ball was cleared by Davison Sanchez onto Lamina. Inadvertently hit Lamina's arm, which was right by his side and fell into the path of, I can't remember who it fell into the path of actually, but he um, dispatched the ball. I think it was Josh Maja. It might have been Maja, but he dispatched the ball, made it 1-1 at the time, but it was ruled out because you can't actually handball the ball as an attacker and it leads to a goal. Whether inadvertent or not, the current rules state that you can't do that. This is wrong. Everyone knows it's wrong. It was a stupid rule to begin with. But now the IFAB have said that they've changed the rule for as of 1st of July, but they've left it up to the individual associations as to whether they'll change the rules now. But the FA have already said that they're planning to change the rules from next season. So it'll be interesting to see if it pops up again, knowing that the rules will change, whether the referee will still call it as a handball in real time, whether they'll say, actually, well, the rules have changed and they make a mistake. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But it's a welcome change because how can a ball be blasted at you with your hand at your side? But apparently it's your fault. Not the defender who blasted at you. It's your fault. So, yeah. Fulham, I mean, were likely to be aggrieved, but they, they got three points today. So they'll be happy as Larry right now. But, yeah, good, good to see the powers that be making changes to progress the game forward. So next talking point is Matt Ritchie was involved in a training ground bust-up with Steve Bruce. So I think off the back of their 1-1 draw last week with Wolves, he was apparently chastised by Steve Bruce as being the culprit as to why they conceded. And he apparently retorted calling Steve Bruce a coward and it all came to arms in the training ground, which Steve Bruce didn't actually have a problem with. Uh, Matt Ritchie came in the next day, apologised to everyone, got on with it. He said, it's normal, it happens up and down the country, you have arguments and whatnot. But they were more annoyed with the fact that there was a leak. I think this came out in the Daily Mail and someone had an inside source as to what happened. So they're trying to figure out who the, who the leak is and obviously try and get rid of the leak from inside the club. But I thought it was quite interesting. The, the actual argument was over the fact that Steve Bruce gave instructions to Matt Ritchie when he came on as a second half sub. And because he didn't relay those instructions to the other players quick enough, that's why Steve Bruce felt they conceded. So he's also admitted on his part that they should probably get the instructions on themselves from the sideline, not rely on a player coming on to have to do it for them. But yeah, it, it, it's a non-story at the end of the day. I think it's more a fact that, that there was a leak inside the club that they're trying to figure out. And yeah an interesting talking point more than anything. Then on to the next top talking point, which is Jurgen Klopp on the international break. So I say Jurgen Klopp because he's the one who came out with it, but Thomas Tuchel has also joined on a similar bandwagon in saying that if players are going to have to quarantine after the 
come upcoming international break, then the clubs aren't going to release the players to let them go on international break because it all it's going to do is affect the clubs when they come back. Because if a player's quarantining, then they're not going to be able to train, they're not going to be able to get ready for the next few games. And then the clubs are the ones paying their wages are the ones who are going to miss out. Not the international teams who've had the players, played their games and are happy as Larry. So, I mean, you can say what you want uh, about international breaks, but is is one really needed at this time? I know there's a tournament coming up in the summer, but what are you going to learn about your team that you can't learn about them by watching them play for their clubs or their respective clubs at the moment? Like, what, what do you think, Spaini? Like, do you think there's an international break needed right now? Uh, no, um, I mean, <laughs> you said, I know you said you just said um, think what you want or whatever, but I, I I hate international breaks, man. I just think they're a waste of time. I, I don't actually ever pay attention to them. I never really watch the games or whatever. But personal bias aside, no, exactly as you said. Given the current um, scenario that we're in, if players are then going to have to come back and then quarantine and whatnot, and there's going to be so much uncertainty because now there's going to be so much mixing with different well players from different clubs mixing with their players from their countries who have also been at various clubs all over the world. It's just it's, it, it just smells like it's just going to be, or it just looks like it's just going to be messy. Do you get what I mean? Um, and they're going to have to try to do a madness to try and ensure that when they come back, they can play and all this type of stuff. It just seems like more hassle than it's worth. Because exactly as you said, I mean, for the most part, look, these 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 um, managers of these international teams should really know who they're looking to play and whatever. The most that you're gonna that you would have got is maybe there's that one or two maybe three fringe players that you've been thinking about and now you want to bring them into the fold and you maybe wanted to try them out before you go to the tournament. But look, it's a tournament. With how tournament football works, just take a punt. Do you get what I mean? It's, it's knockout football at the end of the day. You have one result to get. Just take a punt. Do you get what I mean? If, you, if it's like just, what, three players that you might be looking at. But no, nah, I don't really think uh, I don't really think the international break is necessary, right? especially as we're trying to really squeeze so many fixtures into such a short space of time. We just need to crack on with getting the season done. I wholeheartedly agree. So then on to the next piece of news, which is more a rumour mill one, but it's an interesting talking point as well. But there are rumours that Arteta could be being lined up to be a potential Barcelona manager. So, I mean, judging by your reaction, you're as surprised as I am, Spainy, because I, I don't know where this has come from. He's sort of come out to the rumours and said... He's 100% committed to Arsenal like he would be smart in doing because they've 100% backed him, even though he hasn't shown much outside of a good FA Cup run at the start or back end of last season, rather. This season has left a lot to be desired. But I don't understand, like, I know he started his career at Barcelona and then um, moved on from there, made his name outside of Barcelona. But apart from him being maybe Basque and having links to the club, what has he done as a manager to warrant him being brought back in? Like, What is the philosophy that people are seeing that they like? Because I, I can't see it at the moment. Like, Say say what you want. I, I've been on Tuchel's back saying, oh, maybe he didn't deserve the Chelsea job. But I can sort of start to see what he's trying to do at Chelsea. And I can see that he's trying to impart his philosophy on them and they're getting the results in a quick manner. Yes, Arteta got some results early doors with Arsenal. So maybe this is just early season form with Tuchel as well. But now Arteta's sort of been found out and he seems to be lacking. Whether that's this experience, whether it's just he can only perform at the top when everything's going his way. Similar 
sort of thing with Pep, where if everything's going his way, Pep's going to look amazing. But we haven't really seen him be tested at a club which don't have all the resources to know if he can handle that sort of pressure. But yeah, I mean, it's just a rumour at the moment. There's no certainties, but I'm I'm not I'm not having it at Barcelona if it does come up. Yeah, that's a mad one. <laughs> then the last top talking point is uh, potential talks, which will be trialed, um, a new offside tweak. So I'm calling it the Wenger rule because it's, oh, yeah, I heard about this one. it was brought forward by Arsene Wenger, but apparently there was some talk on Twitter last week as well that um, it was actually brought up before by someone else and Wenger's just sort of, not co-opted it, but just brought it to the forefront. But He's saying the offside rule should be flipped. So if a player has any part of their body onside, then it'll be deemed onside. Whereas now it's if any part of your body which you can score with is offside, then you're deemed offside. So now if you have one foot in line with the last offender, but you're leaning forward, you'll still be onside. Now, for me, I I, I 100% agree with trying to make football more attacking, let there be more goals in the game. Yes, you take away from the defensive side of um, the pragmatic football, which is an art in itself. But the only, problem, that. the only problem is it could completely change the, the way the game of football was played. Like, offside trap could be a thing of the past because you can't exactly play an offside trap if someone can just have a toe, or like, <laughs> point, like a bat. But they're still on side because it's, it's it, I don't know. I'd need to see it in action to see if it works or not. But it kind of sounds like it will just change defending completely, which I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing. I mean, we're human, so we don't necessarily like change. So we'll just, we'll just see how it plays out and see how the tests run. But I think there's talk of it being tested in um, a Chinese second yeah, division or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens there but yeah. that is it from the top talking points from me before uh, before we move on um, I just wanted to actually get your thoughts because if you remember last week after our game against uh, was it it wasn't Palace was it um, Chelsea was it Chelsea yeah it would have been our game against Chelsea where um uh, I think we had there was some the handball incident. I think it was with Callum Hudson Odoi, and Luke Shaw came out after the game saying that he he heard the ref say to um, Harry Maguire that if he had given the penalty, then he would have got a lot of controversy from it and a lot of kind of backlash from it. Um, and so, obviously, when Luke Shaw came out and said that, there was a lot of talk about Luke Shaw potentially getting ramifications from that in terms of disciplinary or, or or whatever. I just wanted to get your thoughts on whether or not you think um, there was even a conversation to be had in that regard, whether or not you feel players should be able to, because ultimately all Luke Shaw was doing was saying, this is what I heard the ref say to, to, um, to Harry Maguire. So why is the ref getting so much protection in that regard? And Luke Shaw is the one that could be facing uh, disciplinary action in that regard. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then also quickly, because uh, Rio Ferdinand was actually giving his opinion on this and was saying that, uh, rest of the Premier League should be mics up the same way that they are in uh, NFL and rugby and stuff like that. What's your thoughts on that? It's almost inviting more pressure on the referees. Like if they're mic'd up to say, oh, ev- every little decision is going to be over scrutinized. Like we're trying to take the attention away from them. It shouldn't, we shouldn't have to talk about the referees, but we're having to because sometimes it can seem like decisions are going awry. And for the most part, I can understand the frustrations with the Hudson-Odoi penalty last week because we've seen things this season given, but 
if we're all honest with ourselves, we don't actually want to see that given as handball and a penalty in football. So I, I think in that sense, the referee made the right decision and it would have been controversial had he given it. Him saying that to Maguire is probably a respect thing. Maybe he just knows Maguire is like, you know what, like, uh, let's be real, blah, blah, blah. So because of that, I think Shaw is in the wrong. It's chatty patty behaviour, firstly, but <laughs> if the, it, we you know we, we don't actually know what the referee, how um, open and honest the referees are with the players, but if they are open like that with players consistently and then Shaw's coming out saying that, then they're just going to keep quiet, which is going to cause even more frustration. Like, at least if the players know why it's going on, that's fine. We as fans don't have any inherent right to, because we're not the ones playing the game. But the managers, the players on the field need to understand why decisions have been given or not been given. So as long as they've got that, it's fine. Sure, just don't say it, man. But, I mean, he's playing out of his skin at the moment. So if that's what he needs to keep playing that way, then yeah, by all means, just be a chatty patty, man. <laughs> Do, 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 he, he's channeling his inner Jose. Jose finally got to him. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, cool. Well, I let you. Uh, I let you do the the talking points outro thing, whatever it is. I didn't want to take steal your thunder there. That was it from the sock talking points. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realise there was a special outro. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, all right. Well, let's get on to the uh, game week, shall we? Cool. Well, on to the game week. Starting off with the first game of Saturday, Burnley Arsenal. Now, I don't, I don't know what to make of this game, to be honest. I don't know what to make of this game. So I'm going to let you tell me what you thought about it and then I'll see how I feel after that. I think Arsenal have every right to feel very sad that they didn't win this game. <laughs> like, it's one of those where I think um, Abamian came out after the game left or his head scratching his head almost saying we had enough chances to win that game we just didn't put the chances away and to be honest they had all the better of play like I mean they received the gift to start the game Pope decided you know what Mother's Day is coming up I know your mum wasn't feeling too well recently Aubameyang here have that <laughs> give, give her that give, give, give her a goal for, for, for her collection because he just let the ball in the back of his net and yeah, they were up 1-0 after six minutes and you're thinking, oh, here we go. Burnley are going to roll over. Arsenal are going to get themselves up, up the table, up in spirits, ready for the North London derby next week. But they sort of just weren't clinical. They weren't ruthless. Like, they had a couple of good chances. Saka had a really good chance, which he should have put away. I mean, I, 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 I mean, not lie, I do like Saka, so I'm not going to try to get onto him too much. But so at, at times, he's not clinical. And I think that's the only thing he's missing to be truly one of world football's global superstars. Like, he doesn't have that X factor in the box. He has the X factor in and around the box, but not in the box for me. He hasn't got that finishing ability yet. Mm. To be honest, the the story of the day is um, Xhaka. Because, (laughs) yes, he's the one who made the mistake. He got it all wrong, 100% all wrong. Like, I don't even know what he was trying to do. Like, I've watched it, like, about 10 times now. He he could have played it first time. He could have taken a touch and tried to dink it over Chris Wood. Maybe 
if he had some sort of style bender in his foot, try and curl it around Chris Wood, but instead he decides to smack it into Chris Wood's stomach and it just goes <laughs> into the back of the net. I mean, Chris Wood, fair play to him. Like, he always did want to celebrate and he's like, you know what, fuck it. I actually did take part in this. Like, it hit my stomach. I'm going to celebrate it. 1-1. One, one. But to be fair, Leno did Jacka no favours there. Like, Leno should have just cleared. Like, I know Arteta wants to play out from the back all of this good stuff. But sometimes you just have to clear your lines. Sometimes you just have to clear your lines. Have to say it twice so they hit, so it sinks into their in their brains, man. It's crazy. But from there, to be fair to Arsenal, they did what they needed to do and they got after Burnley. Like They put them under some immense pressure, especially in the second half. And they were a little bit unlucky, especially with... Pepe, Pepe came on and he missed an absolute sitter with his left foot. Fluff designs got it all wrong. But then probably an, a harder chance, which is a great ball in from Saka. Again, outside the box. <laughs> Amazing. Keeps in the ball. Pepe, right foot volley, side foots it, and it hits um, Eric Peters. And it looks like it ha- he handballs it because he sort of moves his arm towards the ball as well. But it hits off him, thunders off the crossbar. Arsenal players are all appealing. Referee pulls out a red card, gives him a red, gives the penalty. They check it with VAR and it actually hits his shoulder. So it was rightly called back. Red card was rescinded and the game continued. But even after that, in the dying moments of the game, the ball was just bouncing around the Arsenal box and Ceballos hit the post. And you just felt like, nothing's going right for Arsenal. They probably probably could have played for another 30 minutes and somehow Burnley would have held on because that's what they did. Burnley didn't really deserve a point there, I don't think. They just held on. Like, they've snatched a draw from a game they should get nothing from. So, Sean Dyke should be absolutely delighted, to be fair. Yeah. um, You... Yeah. The only reason I say that is because uh, one one of the things I was going to ask you about as well is uh, his comments at the end of the game where he was talking about how obviously um, they get penalty one end. Um, uh, no, sorry, how um, the whole penalty incident originally the refs tried to give that, but then I think there was an incident where one of the Burnley players were brought down in the box and the penalty wasn't given there, and so the and so Sean Dyche came out afterwards and was like how in the game you have basically they have to be diving and squealing for them to be awarded these things and I found that an interesting point because it's like I see what you're saying like you, it's something that you've brought up a couple of times in the past where we, I think maybe myself and a couple other non-Liverpool fans have got on to you guys about Salah in particular who his wrist will get pulled but yeah he's flying down on the floor like he's like, like his legs got swiped type of thing but um, what did you think of those comments? I get his point and sometimes if you don't go down, like even I guess midweek taking it to Liverpool where I don't know if you saw it, Mane um, ran past, I think it was Christensen and stayed up when yeah. there was a bit of contact where he could have gone down, but he stayed up, um, tried to chase the ball, didn't come to anything. If he goes down there, referee has to make a decision. Here, I think it was Vidra, he sort of does the right thing trying to score. I don't think there's enough contact in there for it to be a penalty anyway. I think he kicks the back of, um, I I can't remember whose foot it was. So I personally don't think it's a penalty, but Sean Dach is absolutely right that you have to go down rather than hope that you're given the penalty. So it's not something we want to see either. You don't want to see players forcing themselves down, but until the referees give penalties, because someone's been fouled, not just because the player's given up on the ball, 
it's never going to change. So, yeah, either Sean Dyche is going to have to tell his players, go down if you feel the contact or just decide, you know, to live by the sword and just play the right way. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Well, Burnley won, Arsenal won, evens Stevens at Turf Moor. Right, now on to the next fixture. This one, <laughs> battle of two teams that have been playing very, very terribly recently. Uh, although Sheffield United managed to pull out a win, was it midweek? Uh, Southampton have been in a very terrible run of form, so this was uh, due to be an interesting one. But turned out Southampton decided to take the points, 2-0 victory. I was happy with this because I put James Ward-Prowse in my team literally on Saturday morning, and so I'm happy about that. But what did you make of the game? So I actually thought that it'd be a low-scoring game. I think both teams in somewhat poor form, not necessarily having the best of football at the moment. But I thought the midweek victory for Sheffield United in a game they probably didn't expect to win over Aston Villa would have propelled them. Again, they're playing at home here. I thought, you know what? They can use that as a springboard. Southampton in a bad way at the moment. They should be able to get the points here. I was expecting another 1-0 victory. But to be honest, they didn't come out of the blocks firing. They didn't start fast. They, they didn't look like a team that wanted to play. And Southampton, to their credit, grew themselves into the game. Like I don't think they were, they came out firing. But, I mean, if you haven't won in nine games or 10 games, then you're not going to be firing in all cylinders either. And it probably was made worse when their talisman, Danny Ings, came off after about 13 minutes, replaced by Shea Adams. But in the end, it all worked out because Nathan Teller, he took on the responsibility. He was making loads of runs in behind and it was him who made the telling run in. I can't remember who played the long ball over the top, but Teller, rapid, runs in, Bogle try and get round on the cover. It looks to the naked eye like he wins the ball, but when he throws it down, he goes for the ball, probably doesn't even need to go for the ball in that situation on the ground. And this completely misses it. Referee rightly gives a penalty. And James Ward-Prowse, never going to miss. Dead piece or set-piece specialist think, what, his last five goals have all been set-pieces. That, what, four free kicks and a penalty? Something ridiculous like that. But... um. Yeah, 1-0 Southampton at the break. Second half, you think, okay, Chris Wilder's going to get into his boys. They're going to come out firing. Again, they don't. And Southampton just put the game to bed because, I mean, all you can call it is a thunderbolt because Shea Adams literally just said, you know what, fuck it. Ball, ball bounced off a Southampton player's head. It's fallen in the air. On the half volley, just smacks it home. And yeah, Ramsdale couldn't do anything anything about it and Southampton run out two no winners because I mean after that it was just one way traffic like they had the best of the chances Sheffield United didn't really have any spells where they put Southampton under any real pressure and it seems like they're just in next season mode already like they're going down to the championship we all know that and it's just about planning and it's funny Chris Wilder came out and said he wishes he could get rid of some of his players right now and just refresh the squad because some of their heads aren't in it and it's damning words, especially not knowing if he's going to be there next season. I think he said he wants to be there, but there have been no contract talks. There have been no talk about whether he'll still be, still be there. But as a Sheffield United fan, you'd hope the board give him the opportunity to right his wrongs because, I mean, it was a great season he had with them last year. So maybe this yeah. is just a blip. 
Yeah, nah, I think it's a, it's a shame, as we said, obviously, yeah, they did they did well for a long spell of last season, um, obviously turned off towards the end, and I guess this is unfortunately just a continuation of that, uh, but that Shea Adams goal, wow, oh my gosh, I screamed when I saw that go in, but hey, yeah, unfortunately, the league's whipping boys finally gave Ralph Hassan Hutu's men uh, three points, and yeah, Southampton finally in their... Uh, Terrible run of form. Let's hope that they can turn that around and kick on from here and start picking up some more points. So yeah, Sheffield United nil, Southampton two. Right, and next we have Aston Villa versus Wolverhampton, a board draw. Unfortunately, nil-nil. Uh, this one, I'm not going to lie, I didn't see too much that excited me much in this game. Uh, I think... Aston Villa started off brightly. Obviously, they started without their uh, their talisman. But also, in regards to the result, I mean, what really, what else did we really expect when this is a fixture that I think has been decided by one goal in the last, I think, four or so? I think a bunch of like two ones, one ones, or one nils, and that. So, never really been the exciting game. And yeah, both coming in uh, in in different form. Um, I think Aston Villa started off brightly though. Um, Ollie Watkins rattling the crossbar with a fantastic strike from range, um, but obviously hit the crossbar, went out of play. Konsa from very close range should have finished. I don't know what he was doing, but Selavi. Um, and then Watkins got into a good position where instead of shooting, he decided to try and play it across to the triary, but and it didn't get across to him. So I don't know whether that's. Um, uh, um, not nerves. What's the word? Lack of confidence is the word I'm looking for. I don't know if that's lack of confidence or what, because obviously Watkins has been in a bit of indifferent form. Like I think you've alluded to it yourself in the past, where he his goal tally this season is obviously pretty good, particularly for someone. Well, I guess Aston Villa in general have been good this season, but when you look at where they were last season, you're not really expecting an Aston Villa boy to be up there. But at the same time, when you look at it, a lot of the games of a lot of the goals have come in a batch of uh, or in batches in batches if you like sorry that's what I should probably say um, and so I mean I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or what but instead of shooting he decided to try and play it across the triary uh, and that did that unfortunately was just a weak effort uh, first half then dies down it's like okay cool can but either team come out second half and actually like kick on and and actually try and take the take the result here because it's, it's again it's one of those games like I said that they can fall on either edge, edge either side of the fence and either team can take away the three points here but um second half Wolves definitely did come out a bit uh again should have got should have got a couple of goals for them but uh on their own I think uh Connor Cody hit the posts on the back post I think it was found brilliantly by Neto uh sweep sweeping cross from right to left Cody on the back post diving header or so, hits the post and it comes back across the space again, who should have buried it. So again, you've got, and I've got two defenders here in front of goal who should really be finishing their finishing their plate, but unfortunately they didn't. Um, and yeah, the Wolves, Wolves, I think, kept, grew into the game as the game went on, but it, it just wasn't happening for either team, really. Connor Cody had another brilliant chance again, um, found on the half turn right in front of goal, but... Martinez did brilliantly, came swooping out, closed down the angle, blocked him off and, and managed to get a great save off. Um, and then there was a late chance there for, for Conser from the corner, but doesn't make the most of it. So, I mean, it's not really much I can say on this one. Obviously, Aston Villa without Jack Greenish is one of those ones where we, we can, we, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, uh, Jack Greenish was out. So, yeah, therefore, obviously, they lacked really, they lacked any real attacking threat. But, I mean, Ollie Watkins was still on the on the pitch. And like I said, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. I think Ollie Watkins has hit the crossbow, the woodwork seven times this season now, which is just outrageous. Um 
unlucky, but outrageous at the same time. So yeah, one of them ones. Either team, the point doesn't really do what or didn't really do much for either team. Um, I mean, it's not going to help either one really. They're both still sitting around that mid table mid table position. But yeah, I guess it's just one of those ones really where, as as we've been saying, there's obviously so many games, so many fixtures coming thick and fast that you're not going to get every single result. You're not going to you just move on to the next one, right? But I think Wolves would have Wolves probably would have wanted that result more given how indifferent their uh, their performances have been of late. But yeah, I mean, one more, one more, what more can you say on that one? I guess it's just a case of the goal on the right-hand side of the pitch is just cursed because that's the one which Aston Villa hit the crossbar twice and then Wolves hit the post as well. So the woodwork was just cursed. And as you say, it's a derby match, so it wasn't as fiery as you probably would expect for a derby. But same time, both teams probably a bit of tightness in the leg said, you know what, a draw doesn't hurt either of us. We're just stick rather than twist facts and that's exactly what happened right next we've got Brighton Leicester Leicester taking the three points at the Amex Stadium a ground in which Brighton have only won once this season and Leicester have only lost once on their travels. I think they've actually got the best uh, away record in away record in the Premier League, which is some doing considering we've been unbeaten away from home in well, over twenty games. But I guess obviously when a lot of them are draws, it doesn't mean does you know not necessarily going to pick up all the points to be able to take that tally. But Brighton started. I think Brighton started well in this game, um, but they. I mean, I think they managed to get behind Leicester a good couple of times before the opening goal which was scored by your boy, Adam Lalana, uh, after he got slipped through by Neil Mope. Brilliant, brilliant finish. Um, brilliant finish from from from, from the boy. Uh, Leicester obviously had their debut. Was, was his name Ta- Ta- Tavares? Have you seen him yeah. before? Um, so did my only... <laughs> Sorry to take it there again, but my only um, experience with him is from Football Manager. But... Um... <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, I like him on on foot managing. He looks like a tidy player, so I I was quite impressed um, with the little brief cameo that I saw of him. Yeah, I mean he hit a thunderous strike, which forced a forced a very good save out of um, Sanchez. Uh, very very good strike. So unfortunate not to get on the score sheet on. I think it was his full day because I think he's made a couple maybe a couple substitute appearances so far. So I think this is his full debut that he made. Um, and Brighton were able to actually get a second goal that was ruled for offside, though, unfortunately, a brilliant goal. You remember, obviously, we'll come on to it, but we had the, uh, well, I vocalised last week about my favourite assist being um, being Cesc Fabregas against Burnley in 2014, and this would have pretty much equaled that boy because this was a brilliant, brilliant cushioned volleyed through ball from Lalana into Mopai, but unfortunately, it was just offside, so that got ruled off. But hey, second half, Leicester came out and they decided to turn up this time. Uh, got their equaliser. Loose passing from Brighton, overturning possessions, and Tielemans slipped in Hey and Nacho. Uh, obviously, we know him from his City time as well. He's, he's a brilliant finisher, so he, he he finished that one quite nicely, dinking it over the keeper. Uh, the game does die down a bit then after that. Um, there was an incident quite late on where Lewis Dunk brought down, um, I think it was Vardy in the box. Uh, now I'll be interested to get your thoughts on this because I don't know how this wasn't given as a penalty personally. Like Lewis Dunk doesn't touch the ball. Yeah, so I think when I was watching it, 
to me at first, I thought, no, Dunk looks like he gets the ball. See the replays, clearly doesn't. So it should have been a penalty, I guess, to, to make an excuse for the referee in a sense. Although Vardy clearly touches the ball, it kind of looks as though Dunk's foot gets the ball. But I mean, if you if I'm the one watching the replay on TV and I can see that he doesn't get the ball, how you're watching it in the VAR booth and monitors and whatnot and not seeing that, I don't know. But should have been a penalty. Yeah, 100% should have been a penalty. But hey, I mean, there uh their justice was served because I think that resulted in the corner. Uh, the corner came in, bit of play, went back up for another corner down the other side. The ball came in, and it was quite it was quite funny slash embarrassing because obviously with no fans in the grounds now, when you're watching through the TV, you can obviously hear all the calls and stuff like that. As the corner comes in, you hear Sanchez scream, absolutely bellow, keepers, and then absolutely just missed the ball. And obviously, Marty did very well to get down and just headed that into the back of the net. Um, so unfortunate for Sanchez. Uh, but obviously Amate uh, Amate obviously lapped up on the opportunity and, and managed to, to take the three points for, for Leicester I think that's his first goal in four years um, so yeah well, congrats to, to Amate for that one but yeah overall I think um, Leicester I think were fortunate in the sense that I didn't see enough from them at all in this game to justify or warrant the three points, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I don't think Vardy even had a sniff at goal. Uh, they were struggling to find him. Obviously, Ian actually got in from the free ball from Tielemans. But other than that, I don't really remember too many chances being created from uh, a lesser standpoint. And it just kind of goes to show how much of a talisman for them that James Madison is used, obviously, out at the moment. Um, and yeah, okay, cool. There were a lot of changes that they had to make as well because Leicester are suffering from their own uh, injury issues. But there wasn't enough from them in this game. Brighton, being Brighton as always, didn't make as many chances as, they made it, as they've made in recent games uh, and only got the one goal. But again, it's just kind of the ones where they just need to be taking their chances. It's obviously, it's a game. It's a game of uh, narrow margins, right? Obviously, as I said, they could have gone two 0 up before half time if Mopar was just on like a couple of feet behind. All this type of stuff. So they're just getting unfortunate, really. But yeah, I mean, Leicester will be happy with the three points from that one. Going to the Amex against a good Brighton side and taking the three points with a with a weaker team. Yeah, definitely. I think Leicester had to dig deep and, like, I say they were a bit lucky, but. This is the type of game they need to win if they want to be secure in top four football because I had my doubts. Um, I always said that I thought Leicester and Rodgers would get found out. They'd sort of slide. Um, That hasn't come up until now when obviously injuries have hit. So fair play to them and what they've been doing so far this season. But yeah, it's, it's one of those where... I was hesitant to predict them to win the game because I just thought, yeah, I don't see them winning it, especially with all the injuries. But they, they somehow pulled it out of the bag, I guess, Iheanacho rolling back the years because he he's sort of fallen off because he was actually clinical at City. When City let him go, it was almost like, what the hell are you doing? He's a great young talent. He was being talked about as being levels with people like Rashford at the time. But Rashford's career has gone one way and his has just sort of gone the other way. But... Yeah, I mean, fair play to Leicester, got the three points and for a brief moment, touched second place. But yeah, they should be looking nice to secure Champions League football next year, which would be good because they've had it before. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do if they secure that for next year. Indeed. So Leicester taking all three points at the Amex. Brighton one, Leicester two. Mm-hmm. 
And cool. So that wraps up the Saturday fixtures onto today's game, Sunday. Uh, another four games for us to intersect and digest and and do what we can with them. So starting with West Brom, Newcastle. Wow, another another board draw. I don't think I was too excited for this game to turn up, but I let you I let you try and tell me what you find exciting about this one. Try and instill some, you know, try and excite me a bit with this one because yeah, nil nil West Brom, Newcastle. Boy, don't know about that one. Yeah, I think for me, watching this game, it was almost like, okay, you know what you're going to get from it. So just try and look for the pockets of joy. And for me, it was the the midfield battle. So it was the Arsenal boys making an hours against Joe Willock and who would impress more. And to be fair, Joe Willock... I don't want to say had Maitland Niles in his pocket, but he looked the brighter. And out of the two, if you had to choose between them and say, okay, we can only have one back at Arsenal to try and make it in our team or replace someone like Ceballos, for example, if they're unable to secure him on a full-time deal, you're taking Willick. You're just throwing Maitland Niles in the bin. Like he's not showing me enough <laughs> at the moment. And I, I mean... I wanted, like, I, I was more impressed with Maitland Nouns at Arsenal, albeit he was playing different positions to central midfield. So it's a bit harsh to judge him better than Willock because Willock was playing in his actual position. Um, I think Maitland Nouns just looked good out of position, if that makes sense. Mm. If you remember in the uh, group chat I was saying about Maitland Nouns, man, I was like, look, as an Arsenal player, I'm I'm disappointed with him, man, because if you can't go to West Brom and look good, I don't understand what you're doing at Arsenal. Right, and Ars- if Arsenal especially want to be one of the teams that are obviously fighting for the league, which is what I imagine they want to be, I mean, I, I can't speak for Arsenal fans, that's what I'm assuming. Like, Maitland Nouns is not it. He's not the guy that you want. He's not a guy for your squad. I don't even think he's a squad player at Arsenal. No, I think he's being found out now. Like before, what I'd have said he'd be just a decent squad player. He's not, he's not showing enough at West Brom. But on the other hand, although I was watching that midfield battle for those two Arsenal players, it was actually Conor Gallagher who impressed me the most. Now, he, he's been looking good this whole season. Obviously, he's on loan from Chelsea. But he dominated pretty much. Like he was just running in the middle of the park. Him and um, I think it's Yesalu. Yesalu, the West Brom player. They just look really, really good in the, in the middle. And... To be fair, I don't think Gallagher makes it at Chelsea either. Like, this is sort of all three of their levels. But it's one of those where, for Chelsea, this is good for them. Because the better he plays now, they can either shop him to a team that have maybe like Crystal Palace or maybe like a West Brom or whatever. Because I, I don't think he makes the grade at Chelsea, but they, they'll definitely be enjoying him, enjoying his time at West Brom for sure. But in terms of the actual game, it was nil-nil for a reason. Both teams, their attacks are faltering. Newcastle, understandably so, without the talisman. Wilson, without Alan San Maximum, without Miguel Almiron, it was always going to be a struggle. Fraser looked bright in spells. Joe Linton looked like a striker bereft of confidence because he was played through one-on-one instead of having a shot on goal he tried to square it to Fraser so you might be thinking yeah right thing to do try and square it guarantee the goal but no like it was cut out by the defender in uh, in that situation if you have a strike at goal and the key it's a good enough strike the keeper parries it Fraser might tap it in anyway by going for the pass you ruined a potential two-on-one opportunity where it's like you can get two chances in one. So, yeah, throw him in the bin as well. A couple of players in the bin <laughs> from that game. 
But for West Brom, they were solid, but just didn't have enough firepower. I mean, they didn't have a shot on target in the whole second half, but their best half, best chance in the first half was through Diana. I mean, he, he's done everything right. Ball comes in, gets a header on target, good header, but um, just a good save from Debravka. Then the second half, ball work breaks to Matt Phillips in the box, like six-yard box. All you have to do is pretty much put it on target and it's a goal. Yes, there's a load of bodies in the box, so he's trying to roof it, but he just blazes it over the bar. And for Scotland International, or former Scotland International anyway, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough at all. And that that was the story today, to be honest. West Brom probably deserved deserved more out of the game. I wouldn't say they deserve the three points, but they just don't have enough firepower up front. And that's what's going to be the reason they go down, to be honest, because I don't see it changing anytime soon. Any Anytime you look at them, you think, okay, they can maybe sneak a 1-0 here, but it's never a, oh yeah, West Brom are going to win. They're going to look good. They're going to score a couple of goals here and just have fun. It'll never be that. It'll always be a case of they can maybe sneak a 1-0 here. So yeah, they could be joining Sheffield United back in the championship. Out of... Or what do you think happens to Joe Willock and Aisley Menonaz at the end of the season? I think they both go back to Arsenal. I think Joe Willock stays. I think Maitland now, especially how he was shot, who will potentially Wolves are in for him for 30 million in the summer. Arsenal was stupid not to sell him then anyway. But I don't think he goes for that now. Maybe 15 mark, probably a mid-table team. Yeah, somebody wants um, a versatile player because, again, he's played left-back for Arsenal, right-back for Arsenal, central midfield, all over the place. And he's actually pretty level-headed and a sick penalty taker. So why wouldn't you want someone like that in the squad? Yeah, nah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we'll see what happens to them by the end of the season. But for now, nil-nil West Brom, Newcastle. <laughs> and now time for the moment we have all been waiting for and I'm sure you've been waiting for this moment as well <laughs> Uncle Tass Uncle Tass Uncle Tass from a ground in which you went what 63 or 4 games unbeaten over the span of what 3 years to a ground where you couldn't even buy 3 points 6 games 6 losses since then at Anfield what is going on? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I know you want a reaction. I know you want me to just. No, I, I, I know you. I, I know you now. I, I know. I'm not necessarily going to get that. I just want to know what's going on. It's for for me right now. Like, there's one word that just describes how I feel right now, and it's just apathy. Like, I just don't feel anything anymore. Like, there's like I, I don't. I don't care for this season. Like. The, it's a lockdown season. It, it's a, it's a lockdown season that just feels like that feels like the play. Not the players don't even care, but it kind of feels as though I don't. Or it feels a bit like Klopp's trying to show a couple of things. Like he's trying to show the board, hey, by the way, the squad's not good enough to compete on all fronts. Like I know we've overachieved recently, but that's because. We got lucky with injuries. We had, we have an amazing first eleven. But outside of that, you're gonna have to put your hands in your pockets a little bit. But on top of that, it's almost a a, a fuck you to the footballing authorities and saying, look, 
you're you're asking the people to play way too much football. The players are out of form. The players are tired. What more do you want from me? Like, I have to play the same players week in, week out, because if I change up the team too much, this is what you get, where Fulham can come to Anfield and bop the second team, because that, that that's what it is. And some of it is certain players are just a little bit too green. They're not there yet. And some of it is just players are just old, like just past it. And some of it is just that the system doesn't work without certain players. One of them being Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example, because he came on the last 15 minutes and we created a majority of our chances after he came on the pitch. No disrespect to Neko Williams. I think he's a decent backup player, but it changes the dynamic of our system when Trent isn't playing versus when Neko is playing. So it's hard to be Neko in that situation because he tries hard. It's just, you're not Trent. So it's always going to look worse and make the team (laughs) play worse. But to be honest... Yeah, I mean, Salah made the mistake for the Lamina goal. Like, I, it's hard mistake. to... Mistake. That's not a mistake. Salah does not care. The guy doesn't want to be there, man. Let him go. He doesn't want to be there. Look at him. Look at his body language when he's playing. That wasn't a mistake, bro. He did that deliberately. You know yeah, how we but... were saying last season that De Gea was making all these mistakes so that he could get a move? That's what he's doing. It's the same thing he's doing. Don't let, that, don't let him pull the wool over your eyes, man. Salah's, Salah's been... He's trying to leave. Salah can go when you lot free Pogba. <laughs> Impossible. But, I mean, Salah made the mistake and I think, for me, it's a case of... Because he people or Liverpool players always do it. Because you scored so many goals on the break from corners, they don't see a corner as a, okay, we've got rid of the ball, let's clear our lines. It's always, how can we break from this? How can we counter from this? How can we score a goal from this defensive situation? So that was that was obviously in Salah's mind when he gets the ball, doesn't feel the pressure around him. And Lamina does well. To Nicky, I mean, I say he does well. It's one of those where potentially, if he didn't score from it, or so if it was in the middle of the park, the referee might have thought, you know what, I maybe he could give a foul here. But because he just nicks the ball and just slides it home with his first flipping goal for how many years, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he he just lets it go. And um, to be fair, Salah wasn't complaining either. Like he just got there in time. He, kind of a high foot, but he just got there, nicked it and started at home. And they were good value for their lead. Um, Liverpool half and past second half. Showed a bit of effort at least. And yeah, I mean, I know Klopp came out recently and said, we're not going to prioritise the Champions League. We're going to focus on the Premier League. But in all honesty, I think we just reached a stage where if you want to win some money for the rest of the season, just put just put a couple of pounds on Liverpool um, to lose 1-0 at Anfield, 100%. Because, I mean, I won money today, so... against his team, you know? I mean... What should I bet on my team when I don't think they're gonna win? I mean, at least I've lined my pockets. Like, <laughs> it's true. Like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I, I, I know we've got quality in our first eleven, and we should have enough quality to get past Leipzig in the Champions League. I know this is in the Champions League pod, but that's 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 our season now. Like, Premier League's done for us. We're not gonna get top four. All we can do is like we can't like we can't even spoil anyone's day. Like. Titles wrapped up. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, all we've done is just help Fulham maybe escape relegation because they're now, what, two points or one point behind Brighton? So, yeah. 
yeah that's what we're doing just feeding feeding the masses because there's only one team <laughs> there's only one team who've lost to Fulham Brighton and Burnley this season Liverpool FC we move we move <laughs> Wolves Arsenal Aston Villa Leeds in the next four games oh yeah Arsenal's dub dub <laughs> <laughs> to be fair the Wolves and Aston Villa and Leeds are away. So the only one that you're probably saying is a guaranteed loss for you at this like the list of things is Aston Villa. Wait, Aston Villa's at home. I oh, know no, that's a dub as well, because we owe them. We owe them for that. Seven two. Dub. <laughs> we'll see about that one, boy. But yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, but from a Fulham perspective then, how, how what did you think about Scott Parker's man? It's it's hard to judge it because obviously when the team sheet would have come out, they would have been ex- really, really excited saying, yeah, we can really get up behind this and win this game. And yeah. they played well. Like they did play well, especially in the first half, but they could have been clear and out of sight. But like they, I don't want to say luckily got the goal, but it took until the 44th minute for them to actually finally get a goal. Then the second half when they had the goal, they just sat in and looked to contain us. And... <sighs> A Liverpool team on form score two or three easily. So it's hard to really say, oh yeah, it was an excellent performance by Fulham. They they did just enough, but because Liverpool are playing so badly, they got away with it. Like it wasn't like they were very, very good defensively. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I've seen them play better in recent times. Like I probably thought they played a bit better in the Tottenham game, which they lost 1-0, than this game, which they won 1-0. So it's just ebbs and flows. But yeah, I mean... Like I said, I've been enjoying them um, this season. They've been playing some decent football. So yeah. I, I, I want to see them stay up. And it's, it's Scott Parker's first win at Anfield. Um, I think he lost six times as a player, but <laughs> one win as a manager. So yeah, enjoy that. Enjoy that, Scotty. But yeah, fair enough. I think uh, it's interesting because I've been saying that. I, I, th- I, I specifically recall it is ever since the reverse fixture at Craven Cottage where you drew 1-1 that I've been noticing Fulham playing well. <laughs> In that game in particular, they played amazing from what I call. They probably should have won that game. And ever since then, they've been playing very well. Um, so, yeah, long may this continue for them. And I've been saying, I think uh, I think Fulham are safe, man. I do think Fulham are safe. I think Newcastle are in big, big trouble. But we'll see what happens. But, hey, Anfield, current, uh, current ground of uh, three pointers. Liverpool nil, Fulham one. Right, enough of that nonsense. Now on to a serious game. The heavyweight clash of the weekends. The Manchester Derby. The one for, for the winner to take the bragging rights of the city. Manchester is well and truly red. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, at the Etihad Stadium on Sunday afternoon, Manchester City hosted Manchester United and Manchester United won 2 nil. But you know what? I sound gassed and whatever, but I'm not going to get too carried away because, I mean, it's a similar thing that we saw against Leeds United, right? A type of team that want to play a type of way that they, that plays into our hands. And we just got very fortunate in this game that City weren't able to really break us down like that. Uh, we obviously started off very brightly, uh, like we saw against Spurs, if you remember, obviously earlier on in the season and won a penalty within... 30 seconds. Absolute madness. Uh, Gabriel Jesus losing possession of the ball, then trying to um, make up for his error and being a bit over um, cautious or over whatever if you like. Uh, fouling Martial, bringing him down in the box and Bruno Fernandes slipping home. So sticking one to the people that try and say he doesn't do anything against the top teams or they're always done against the top teams this season to score two penalties. But 
I'm not here to judge. I'm here to, to give my thoughts on the game. Um, and to be honest, after that, it was it was very much just Man City. They dominated the game in that regards, but as I say, didn't really create any chances that were that they were able to break us down with. Um, they just kept possession of the ball. Um, and to be honest, the, the, I'm just happy that it wasn't like Spurs where we started off like that and then concede or uh, just concede a, a, a bucket load of goals. Um, I mean, the, it, it, it was kind of a typical City and a typical. United performance in that regard. City did dominate the game for the most part. Uh, game opened up in the second half, though, um, and United were then able to break a, few, a bit more on the counter. Um, there were a few times where we got into some good positions and probably should have done better with it. And to be honest, the scoreline, I mean, it, it probably could have been more, if I'm completely honest with you, in regards to, obviously, the few times that we broke on the counter and got into decent positions. But it wasn't to be. Uh, it wasn't to be. Um, we did get a second goal, though. Dean Henderson uh, giving Oli Gunnar Solskjaer a real headache. Interesting that, well, I mean, I know obviously David De Gea recently just had a baby, um, so I'm not too sure if that's the reason why he's still out of the team or whether or not um, Oli was happy with, with Dean Henderson's performance against Crystal Palace today. He didn't really have to do much until like the last minute. But uh, I think Dean Henderson has proven himself to be a very good understudy. Uh, but to be honest, Sergio Romero was doing the same thing. Sergio Romero was coming in and keeping constant clean sheets whenever he played. But look, I mean, it is where it is. Obviously, Dean Henderson was brought back from his loan spell with Sheffield United for a particular reason. And that was to put pressure on uh, David De Gea. And he's doing that, man. I don't think David De Gea is going to sleep too well tonight. I mean, depending on how much he cares about the club, I don't think he's going to be sleeping too well tonight because Dean Henderson had, uh, Dean Henderson effectively, okay, he didn't assist the goal, but it, it was his decision-making that led to the goal in the sense of him launching, absolutely launching the ball to a uh, into uh, Luke Shaw's path for him to be able to carry it forward, tee off Rashford, Rashford play it back into his path and then him to slot it home, which is very annoying because I have him sitting on my bench in fantasy football, but it is where it is. We'll obviously come on to that part. But um, yeah, and then it just became a game of, of United just soaking the pressure. Look, I mean, the Etihad seems to be a stadium that we're not actually too fearful of for some reason. I mean, obviously, we've got a decent uh, away record as it is, but the Etihad in particular, I think we've won now three out of our last five games there uh, and have... Um, and I've drawn the other two maybe or maybe lost one. But, I mean, we have a very good record at the Etihad, particularly under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So it's interesting and obviously it's... Uh, it's a good thing that we've been able to end Man City's absolutely stupid run of, what, 21 or 22 straight wins, 28 games unbeaten. Do you get what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, bragging rights go to Man United. I'm not going to get too carried away, as I say, because, look, I mean, it's not like we dominated the game and, and won it too new. We were quite fortunate that City just weren't able to break us down because on any given day, if the wind blew another way, they would have absolutely peppered us. Do you get what I mean? But that wasn't today. And look, I'll take the three points because obviously it means we go back into second place, which Leicester tried to pip off us with their victory over Brighton on Saturday. Um, so yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Obviously, it closes that gap a little bit to City, but obviously we're not going to be winning the league. So look, I'll take it. As long as we can just maintain the second position because I'm not liking this back and forth with Leicester now where obviously we've both been dropping points recently. Um, obviously Leicester then win as you said earlier Leicester win against Brighton they go second we have to get the win against City you're thinking it's an impossible task but we managed to do it back in second place and we're not falling down the table just yet so yeah I'll take the three points yeah I think um, Oli seems to just have Pep's number and I think like you say it's it's, it's the style because I see it when um, any team 
that wants to play on the front foot against United, you're just playing into their hands. And United being a top-heavy team with heavy hitters like Martial, Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, Greenwood, Rashford, all up top. You know that if they get chances on the break with space, they're going to punish you. And obviously, Jesus, absolute criminal today. Absolute criminal. Your chance to be the number nine for City and within 30 seconds, you're giving away a penalty. Doing things in the wrong box, like criminal. And the closest City came, it being just what, um, a crossbar long range drive from Rodri is just not good enough. Like, um, I mean, what do you think of the Sterling shout for a penalty when um, he ran into Fred? Are you having that? I'm trying to remember it. Where he, he was from on the left hand side, sort of dribbled into the box, dribbled, dribbled past. Wambisaka had a nibble, um, b- ball bounced off him. He didn't actually touch the ball. But the ball went through Fred's legs and then he just ran into Fred's leg. So, like, he could have got onto the ball, but Fred didn't kind of make a tackle, but Sterling wasn't in control of the ball at the same time. It's a bit of a weird one, but it kind of looked like it could have been given. Let me let me not even sit here and pretend like I... I don't even think I saw this incident, which is quite weird. Uh, I must have literally turned away for that for that for that period but but the way you're describing it it doesn't sound like it was a penalty and certainly is a criminal to try try and even uh claim one look, look at that look at that <laughs> conveniently conveniently man goes blind at this <laughs> particular moment <laughs> look if i didn't see i didn't see it i'm not gonna sit here and pretend but it, it sounds it sounds like sterling should be carded for for simulation <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like I'm living in a simulation. <laughs> you know what? Let's just move on past United because I'm done. I mean, yeah, I've got nothing more to say, so let's do that. Right, so time for the final game of the weekend, which was probably the uh probably actually the most entertaining. Spurs Crystal Palace at the London Stadium. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. When Gareth Bell decides to turn up, there is nothing you can do about it. And unfortunately, Roy Hudson and his men found out about it today. Absolute madness. Spurs 4, Crystal Palace 1. The funny thing about this game is that it actually started off pretty uneventful. Uh, absolutely nothing was happening for the first well, up until the first goal on 25 minutes, um, when Lucas Moura one possession quite high up on the pitch on the on the on the high press, um, sets it off to Kane who plays across uh, the ball across the face of the goal to, to Gareth Bale sitting on the back post. Who that what that would have been his fifth goal in six games, I believe it was or something. Basically, the guys on form. To get, I mean, the guys on form. So done very well. The first half continued a little bit more of this of how it started, though. Kind of dead, kind of dreary. Not really much going on until Benteke decided to get an absolute beast of a header out from nowhere. Like Benteke is such a frustrating player to watch, right? Because there is clearly, clearly glimpses of brilliance in his play, but yet he doesn't display it week in week out. This header was phenomenal. Last week, volley against uh, Brighton, phenomenal. There's been other goals that he scored in his career. I remember, uh, this is going to pay me to say, but I remember when he was at U and he scored that bicycle kick against, against us. Phenomenal. Like he has this like ability to just score some ridiculous goals sometimes, but then he just goes every other time. It's like, what? he's just so frustrating. Anyway, uh, just before halftime, he managed to get an equaliser, a brilliant header, as I said, it going even Stevens. Obviously, uh, Roy Hodgson just tried to, 
put a bit more impetus into the game, into Crystal Palace's play by bringing on Wilfred Zaha, who'd obviously been out previously, just returned from injury, and so couldn't start the game. Uh, but Spurs weren't having any of it. They were not having any of it. And within 10 minutes of the second half, it was what, like 3-1? Gareth Bell getting a second and Kane getting a... Kane getting an absolute worldy of a goal. Brilliant goal, brilliant goal, brilliant goal. One of them ones reminds me of uh, Bruno Fernandes' one against Everton, where he kind of... Those ones that kind of look like crosses, but then they go over the keeper's head into the side side of the net. But it was obviously deliberately a, a shot. To get what I mean, so brilliant goal before Kane then got a uh, got a second his own of his own before also going off. I mean, what 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 can you say in general about the game? It's one of those ones. Spurs four, Crystal Palace one at home to Spurs. It's like it's not really more of a result than you would have expected. The only thing that I'll be disappointed about if I was Jason Mourinho is not keeping that clean sheet because other than that that one goal that came out of nowhere, Crystal Palace didn't really make much. Uh, and so to have conceded that goal, I know Jose would have been, or Marina would have been quite annoyed at that. But hey, what can you do? Um, you're not always going to keep clean sheets, unfortunately. But yeah, I think uh, given how Crystal Palace have been playing recently, they've been catching so much life. I think I said it against Brighton, against um, us, to leave uh, to leave um, Sellers Park the other day with a point and to leave the Amex the week before with uh, with three points or whatever that they, they stole the, they absolutely stole those four points and so this is now kind of like a rebalance of of, of, of everything because they, they've not been playing well at all they've not been playing well at all and they got found out by a good Spurs team today who we know obviously through star power if they want to turn up and they want to play they can and they showed it do you get what I mean um, so yeah I think Roy Hodgson Look, to, to, to come away with uh, four points from a good Brighton side, uh, a Man United side and a Spurs side, he's not going to be complaining too much about that. The win, a draw and a loss, he's, he's not going to be complaining too much about that. So with his 29 goal contributions this season, are you having Kane as player of the year? Uh, play of the year right now. Twenty nine goal contributions is kind of mad though. Uh, how many, how many has uh, has Bruno got? The thing is though, I, I'm you know what? I, cause Did, I'm, I'm not. Gonna, I'm, I'm not, no, no, I'm not going to let you try and shoe home Bruno into this. Today no, 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 no. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I was Man, going to say. Uh, hold on, hold on. I was going to say. I'm not going to actually bring Bruno up in this because it's easy to keep mentioning his name because of the change he's brought to Man United as a team. But that doesn't necessarily make him the player of the whatever. It might make him player of the t- of the year at United, but not player of the season for as a Premier League overall because some of Bruno's still like, obviously bear pens in there and bear like. You know when he's stretching out his legs to try and get the ball and then it just inadvertently comes off him and it goes into like Luke Shaw's path or someone else's path and then they score and he's getting the assist for that. That's happened a few like I've, I don't worry, I, 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 I'm not watching this through some mad tinted lenses, do you get what I mean? So uh, does that make Harry Kane? I think, I mean, it, I, struggle to, I struggle to find many other players this season that would be up there with him, to be honest, because that's mad. He's been, he's been bossing it this season. He's been he's been bossing it, but then if they don't win anything, they fail to get fourth. Can he still be player of the year? That's the question. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think so. I've never been the one that I've never been the one for. Just because your team's not necessarily like, for example, I think I've I think I've said on the podcast before, right? I don't like it when just because I don't like it when week in week out every game that goes on man of the match always comes from a team from the team that wins like even though 
there could have been a player on the on the losing team who ha- played an absolute worldie, but obviously they lost the game to get what I mean. So I, I, I've never been one to, to be, oh, results decides the individual. No, because you can still have a sick game and whatever. So I don't think just because Spurs don't finish in the top four or don't win anything, that takes away the fact that Harry Kane should or shouldn't get or has any bearing on whether Harry Kane gets player of the season, in my opinion. Fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah, he's uh, he's doing a madness right now. I think they're ready enough, sixth, are they? I think they're sixth now, yeah. I think they're sixth. So obviously, they were ninth not too long ago. They've won, I think, their last three or so in a row. So they're climbing, they're slowly creeping back up the table um, after a, a kind of mid season blip. Can they finish strongly? We will soon find out. But Crystal Palace needs to buck up their ideas. But to be honest, like I said, four points from those three games, they're not going to be complaining too much. So what's Roy Hodgson going to do about that? Again, we shall see. But hey, that wraps up the game week. That wraps up the game week. Eight games. Well, I lied, actually. It doesn't wrap up the game week because, again, it's a double header. So we've got games Monday, I think Tuesday, I think Wednesday. But there's a lot of football on right now. There's a lot of football. But hey, that is that. We will now move on to goal of the week. Right. Goal of the week. Talk to me because I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm assuming you're torn between Che Adams and Harry Kane based yeah. on how you wax lyrically about Kane's goal. I mean, I saw yeah. a decent goal, um, but for me, it was Che Adams like, easily just because, I guess, context of the game where he's come off the bench to replace the main man. Yes, he's been in and out of the team this season, but ball falls to him and it wraps up the game effectively. So I'm giving it to Che Adams. And added to the fact Sheffield United are his old team and he just loves to score against them. I think... Uh, There's no prizes, by the way. You can choose whatever. I mean, yeah, you're right. But I want to choose what I think is the goal of the week. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree. I'm going to agree. The way he cut across the ball on the half volley and, and just rattled that top corner... Yeah, all right, cool. We got unanimous decision. Shay Adams, congratulations! You have won the top bins pod goal of the week. Please do get in touch so you can collect your prize. I just said there's no prize. I mean, no prize. I mean, yeah, but shut up, man. You know, it's, I tell you, <laughs> I was getting tired, fam. Anyway, let's move. What's the next section? The next section is predictions league. So we'll come on to that now. Right, predictions league, predictions league, predictions league. Uh, boy, do you know how many points you got? Nope. All right, let's have a quick look. Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. All right, cool. So I got nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, one point less to Brighton. Calm. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I got two points. For correct result against Leicester Brand, correct result, Crystal Palace, Spurs. You got Sheffield United, Southampton, correct results. West Brom, Newcastle, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, you got two as well, mate. What a terrible week. But 
there's three more games to go, so we'll see what happens. Uh, let's move on to the game week 28. Then I've got my predictions ready, so I don't need to wait for you to. And, and let, I'm not going to let you influence my uh, my prediction. So uh, Saturday the 13th, we kick off with Leeds Chelsea. Um, you sure? I think there's a Friday, Friday the 12th. Day. Friday the 12th, we kick off with Newcastle Aston Villa. <laughs> One 0 Aston Villa. That's exactly what I said. Sat, uh, Saturday, we kick off with Leeds Chelsea. 2 0 Chelsea. 2 0. That's a 2 1. Um, Crystal Palace, West Brom. 1 uh, 1. I said 0 0. Uh, Everton, Burnley. 1 0 Everton. Oh my God, that's what I said as well. Fulham, Man City. 2 uh, 0 Man City. I said 4 0. Uh, Sunday, Southampton, Brighton. 2-1 Southampton. I said 1-1. Leicester, Sheffield United. 2-0 Leicester. I said 1-0. Aston Villa Spurs. Sorry, Arsenal Spurs. Before the game today, I wanted to say 0-0, but I'm going to go for a cheeky 1-0 Tottenham. I said 2-1. Uh, Man United, West Ham. Um, I think, I mean, now I'm actually predicting... What I think is going to happen, it's not banter, but I think because it's at home, West Ham do you 2 1. <laughs> we say Justin Lingard brace here. Yeah? Huh. I'd hope so, but you can't play. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, yeah, of course. Um, Wolves Liverpool. I mean, I, like, as I said from the start, I'm never going to go against my team. So even though. <laughs> I should be predicting 1-0 Wolves. We're away from home, so we might actually do the damn business. So 1-0 Liverpool. Fair enough. I said, what did I say? I said 2-0 Liverpool. Uh, yeah, because you know at Anfield. Cool. Well, thank you very much for that. We shall see who comes out on top. Right. Fantasy Football, talk to me. How's your team do? Uh, no comment. <laughs> what does that mean? It means my team are, I don't know, they're, they're, they're smoking crack. I think it's crack they're smoking. <laughs> what happened? I got 20 points and wow. still got two players to play in the single game week. Sorry, three players to play in the single game week. But then I've still got five, three City players and two Southampton players on a double game week. But I've also got 18 play, points, yeah. 18 points sitting on my bench. So it would have been yeah. a good week to play bench boost. But, you know, live and you learn. But obviously, this is his segment. Like, we might have to rename the fantasy football bit, the um, Paul Walker fantasy football section. <laughs> In his honour, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he's just... Extending his lead at top, sitting on 48 points. And again, he's got, what, five players to play? So, yeah, looking rosy at the top. It's all mad. I've got, yeah, I did look at the thing as well. He's, he's like at least 100 points clear now, isn't he? Oh, no. Um, or something. More like 50 oh, is it? Come, come the end of the week, yeah. Fair enough. Well, talking about 50, I've got 51 points this week. Um, it's very annoying because I... Despite me saying 1-1 in Predictions League last week, I, I, I actually, when I thought about it, when I was making my team, when I was playing my team this week, I thought, you know what, it's going to be 0-0. Um, I thought it's going to be 0-0. So I put Diaz and captained him 
I put Myers. By the way, I played my wild card this week, by the way. Played my wild card. I actually have a pretty decent team, I think. But annoyingly, Danny Ings obviously got injured. So now he's sitting up top for me and won't play against City. Uh, I've got Luke Shaw sitting on my bench with 14 points, even though despite the fact I said it was going to be a clean sheet, I thought Reguillon and Dean and um, Luca Dean might actually do something. And obviously, Diaz is playing two games this week. So obviously, he had to go in there. Um but yeah, other than that, Kane, 19 points, Son, 5, Ward-Prowse, 11 so far, with another game to go. Martin, is 7. Yeah, Luke Shaw with 14 points on my bench, which is jarring. But hey, we shall see. Remember, because I made the mistake where I thought I could play my wild card and then play my bench boost, which was which was always going to be my intention. But then obviously, when I tried to do that, I couldn't. I was like, shit. But hey, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. We shall see what happens. Well, let's hope your boys pull through second half of the game week, man, because, yeah, 20 points isn't it. Right, listeners' questions. What do we have? So this week, <laughs> we don't have serious questions. They're more funny questions. <laughs> fair. Favourite of the pod, Black 518 asks us when will the pain stop <laughs> and i'm i'm honestly here to tell you brother i don't know i don't know <laughs> i don't know when your pain is going to stop i don't know when my pain is going to stop but there's no party for anyone right now it. no party you know because no but no yeah oh kidding uh yeah i mean when will the pain stop boy i wish i i feel for you guys i really do i mean the funny thing is right despite the fact that we're second we're actually in no we're not in that much of a better position because like i've been saying we've been playing terribly so i mean i guess it's pain for all of us man it's pain for all of us but hopefully my friend hopefully my brother at some point soon man at some point soon i do hope for your sake and, and your health more importantly that it does end sometime soon and your hairline, because you know what stressed us to hairlines. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Question number two comes from underscore M underscore Fernandez underscore. What is handball again? Because I, I don't seem to know. What is handball? What? What is handball? Like, what is handball? Because no one even knows. Like, <laughs> you know what's funny? It's this. This is that's like one of them questions that you know. You see, you know, if you start talking to a girl, yeah, and obviously, I don't know, you're telling me you like football or whatever, and they try to watch it with you one time, and they're asking them dumb questions like, "Okay, so what's a what's a free kick? What's handball? What's like I said, what's offside?" It sounds like one of them questions. But what is handball? Unfortunately, I couldn't tell you right now. I don't know. I don't it, know. I, I think it might be when the ball touches someone's hand, whether that's deliberate, un, unintentional, a mistake, they're slapping it down. I don't know. I don't know anymore because it touches your hand and you have to guess whether it's going to be handball now. Like, it, I mean, yeah, like I said, the IFAB have come out with new guidelines for next season. Whether or not that changes, we'll see. But yeah. I'm tired, boss. <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, uh, this year, uh, up, yeah. You and me both, brother. You and me both. So, join the discussion. All right, last week we asked, or I asked, what 
what people thought was the best Premier League assist they had seen. Uncle Tass, I believe uh, we had some responses from some people. What were some of those responses? I remember my answer was Francesc Fabregas against Burnley, the very cushioned... Oh, I just remembered his first name. Andre, was it? it was Andre Scherler, isn't it? A uh, very cushioned half volley, free ball into Andre Scherler against Burnley in 2014. What was your answer? So my answer... Of course, I'm a homer, and shout out to Stephen Gerrard on winning Rangers there, 55th Scottish oh, yeah. Premiership, and his first league title. So it's a glorious day for Liverpool fans, regardless. And his assist versus <laughs> Fulham in 2014, outside of the foot, into the path of Sturridge. Sturridge, excellent finish. But um, a couple of other shouts we had. Berbatov's assist to CR7 against West Ham, where he did a sort of, um, I don't know how you described the skill. Like, um, yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. Like a turn where he rolls over the ball and then flicks it through the guy's leg. But uh, for me, the only thing, the actual goal was just like a sweaty, <laughs> square the ball across the box. But yeah, the actual- was it best goal or was it best assist? The the, the 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 skill before the assist because even the assist like you're passing the ball along the ground like <laughs> oh my but, but the skill prior to the assist amazing. We also had another shout, a couple of shouts for Pyatt Rabona to Antonio. Very very good shout because I mean Pyatt was doing mad stuff in the Premier League that what the guy that lit up the Premier League when he came man. The streets will never forget him. Streets will never forget him. <laughs> then also another shout for. Balotelli to Aguero. So that was from King in J. Also, the um, Bebeta one was from C. Graham. King in J is a United fan as well, you know. I'm disgusted he said that. And M underscore Fernandez said Ozil's assist to Giroud against Aston Villa, which is actually a backhield assist. So. Mm. Middle of the park, backfield assist to Giroud, and Giroud managed to finish it off. Fair. Well, some good shouts there, but the uh, the best assist will always go to Fabregas. So it's cute that you guys let us know what Fabregas wins on this occasion. So this week, guys, I mean, this one is uh, kind of prescripted for us, not one that we had to think about because it's that time of the month. Goal Manager and Player of the Month for February 2021. So, Goal of the Month, flipping hell, there were some screamers in February, wasn't there? Were you able to... Some good goals. Yeah, yeah, some good goals. (laughs) Were you able to to, to decide on on a Goal of the Month? Oh, yeah. I mean, I make no... I, I make no bones about the fact that I'm a homer. So Minamino against Chelsea, where he sat down, keeper and defender, and slid at home. Thank you very much. We'll take that. And you, you actually, you actually made me sick. The reason I didn't give it to Salah for his no backlift shot against Leicester is the fact that we lost that game. So you know what I thought. You know, I'll give it to Minamino. They didn't lose you that have game. No shame whatsoever. Absolutely no shame. Anyway, I mean, neither of those goals made my list. Um, the goals that made my list: Foden against you, obviously. Uh, Mateta against Brighton nice little back heel through I think he uh, nutmegged the defender and keeper uh, Fernandez against West Brom I put in there because left footed volley weaker foot volley although it came off his shin so yeah uh, Fernandez against Everton 
you know, I was mentioning obviously the 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 one that Harry Kane's one resembled. Ings against Wolves, Lawson against Crystal Palace, James Wood Prowse free kick against Newcastle. I'm so torn. I don't know what to pick. The ones that are, the ones that are reaching my final, I think, are Ings against Wolves uh, and Lawson against Crystal Palace and Foden. Yeah, I think I'm. It's, I think if I had to break it, cut it down to two, it's going to be Ings and Lawson. And. I just don't know which one out of the two because I remember Ings' one because if you watch when you watch the goal and the angle that they showed it, yeah, it was mad because it was like Armstrong played the ball in and the, the, the cameraman was moving so slowly that by the time we got to Ings, like he literally just struck the ball and rattled it into the back of the net on the volley. But Allowance as well, man, like no one expected that from Burnley. Bro, I'm stuck. I don't know. I actually don't know. But you know what? For um and also the assist from that one, the, the Jay Rodriguez assist for that one, the over the top. But for kind of what it did to me in the moment, I'm going to say Danny Ings against Wolves. I'm going to say Danny Ings against Wolves. Yeah, settled. So we've got difference of opinion there. So hopefully the uh, the people listening can 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 come with a with a definitive answer. But hey, uh, manager of the month. I mean, does it does is this is this really a competition? Pep. No. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this let's we have to shout him out in a sense of what beat Liverpool, Spurs, Everton, and Arsenal in a stretch of four games, and then also obviously beat Burnley and West Ham. But that was in between beating Burnley and West Ham. So, I mean, absolute madness, absolute madness. Um, fair. So, player of the month, who have you gone for? Player of the month for me, Jesse Lingard. Interesting. I said the same thing. Yeah, I said the I mean, same thing. I mean, he's just been an inspired form and he's just having fun again with his football. And like I said, like I've said previously, he, he's hard to hate. Like as much as United player, whatever, all this, but Jay Links is hard to hate, man. <laughs> yeah, nah, fair enough. I, I'm just, yeah, I said Jay Links as well. Three goals and one assist in his five games. His career has definitely been revived since his move to, well, his loan spot to West Ham. So, yeah, long may it continue, man. We love seeing him enjoying his football. We love seeing him play well because he's got stuff to offer, as we've seen in spells at United. And so hopefully he can offer that to, to David Moyes and West Ham and maybe come back to United and offer it here or, or even stay there. Who knows? But, yeah, Justin Lingard is also my player of the month of February. Well, guys, let us know. Obviously, we'll get the visuals out. Let us know who you think should win goal manager and player of the month always an interesting time to see what players have been shining uh, particularly when it comes to these monthly awards so yeah thank you very much for the Uncle Tess right 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 let's see uh, it's quite late so let's see if your brain's still working but we cannot go an episode now that you're back have to bring it back Spainy Trivia so I want to know whether you can tell me. So basically, obviously, United, obviously, cheeky 2-0 victory at the Etihad, obviously, earlier on today. So since the start of 2019-20, so since the start of the 2019-20 season, should I say, uh, three of Man City's five home defeats have been against us, all right? I want to know if you can tell me which team or teams make up the other two home defeats that City have suffered since the start of last season. Oh, start of last season. So, when we beat them to the title, who 
got the better of them at home. Did... Was that at home or away? Um, okay, 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 okay. I feel like the two potential shouts are Chelsea and... Um, oh, I just had the team in my mind. Chelsea and Crystal Palace. Wrong. I'm surprised you didn't get one of them, um, considering the nature of the defeats. Um so to, to 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 kind of not necessarily give a clue, but to hopefully make it a bit easier, one came this season, one came last season. This season, who did they get pammed by? Who did it? Who? Bro, my my brain's fried. Who did they get pammed by? <laughs> I don't blame you. It's uh, well, it's half past midnight where you are actually. Half eleven here. Southampton. No. Barca. No. Klopp. <laughs> no. I have no idea, man. So they lost. 2-0 to Wolverhampton Wanderers last season on the 6th of October. Bro, Leicester, 5-2. Wasn't that at Thingy? I thought that was at Leicester. Nah, I was at the Etihad, bro. That was Fair at the Etihad. Fair enough. So, bro, well, unfortunately, your uh, losing streak not only continues for Liverpool, but also for Spainy Trivia. Let's hope you can come back stronger next week, eh? But, guys, that wraps up another episode. Thank you very much for rocking with us. Thank you very much for working with us. I hope you've enjoyed that one. Uncle Tass, what should the people do? Well, if they've enjoyed the episode, they should rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Help us spread the word of the Top Bins pod. It's the only way we're going to grow this platform and get out to more and more people. All right, guys, I've been your host, Spaney, joined by my 99.99% present co-host. Uncle Tass. There we go. This has been the Top Bins. Keep it Top Bins this week. We will catch you next week. Peace. Yeah.